ねねねねねねねねねねねねねね We haven't gotten one of those in a while. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the theme, everybody.、Uh... <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we're about to consume the entire confection! I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1996 children's classic, Matilda. You called it a classic. Well, it is a classic. It is indeed. I, I stand behind my use of that word. I agree. This is one of my first films. Like one of the first ones you actually remember seeing? I, yeah, like I, I've always lived with this movie as long as I can remember. Almost since you were born, you might say. Yeah. It was the year you were born. Yeah, oh, hey, uh oh. <laughs> Matilda's as old as I am! It's one of those! Guys, time's not real. <laughs> I'm convinced. If anything, if, if 2020 has proved anything to me, time is definitely a construct. Before we get started, go check us out on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K I C K N S T R E A M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and and not an ampersand. And don't forget, guys, please be practicing the three R's rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, guys. Really get out there, really get engaged with us. Which, by the way, guys, if you just Decide that you can't get enough of me specifically. I actually did do a guest spot on my buddy Mike's podcast, The Equalizers. They like pitch ideas for movie sequels that don't exist, like movies that don't have sequels, like Matilda. I got an opportunity to pitch. What a sequel for this movie might look like. Oh, yeah. It goes off the rails. I bet. By the end of the episode, like, Miss Honey and, and Matilda are going undercover to, like, dismantle a cult. <laughs> so, of I'm, course. I'm going to drop the link in the description. Are they going to bring reading to the cult? <laughs> Is that what's happening? Nope, 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 but I don't want to spoil it for you. All right, yeah, you guys should go listen to the episode. <laughs> You should drop it. Yeah, I'll drop it in the show notes. Drop the link. And yeah, give Mike, give Mike a check out. You know what I mean? Yeah, their podcast is great. Like all of the insane sequels to movies that you've never wanted but somehow need. So, are you ready to get into it? I am. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Matilda. Hi, Dad. Get in the car, Melinda. Matilda. Whatever. Who was extraordinary in every way. Pretty soon you'll be able to do any multiplication, whether it's two times seven, four times or thirteen times three hundred and seventy-nine. Four thousand nine hundred twenty-seven. Wow. She can multiply large sums in her head. So can a calculator. But in a world where grown-ups make all the rules. I'm smart. You're dumb. I'm big and you're small. I'm right and you're wrong. In a school. Where the principal in this school, I am God, has no principles. Yes, Miss Trunchbull. Sir, the Trunchbull used to be in the Olympics. Shot put, javelin, hammer throw. She will discover somebody's gonna teach her a lesson deep inside herself. You should believe in whatever power you think you have inside of you. A secret weapon. To even the odds. No more, Miss Nice Girl. From the author of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> and the unique vision. What did you do to your hair? 
of director Danny DeVito comes the story of every kid's right to stand tall, no matter how small. Ah! Matilda. So, Raw Doll. <laughs> If you're a child who lives in an Anglo-Saxon country, you probably know Roald Dahl. So Roald Dahl, you know his various subjects. You guys know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, perhaps his most notable work. There's Matilda. There's uh, the BFG. The BFG. The big fucking guy. No. <laughs> the big friendly giant. That's right. <laughs> The Witches is also by Roald Dahl. I love The Witches. Um, that Mr. Fox thing. Fantastic Mr. Fa- Fox. Fantastic, fan- fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess Danny DeVito just really took a liking to this story. Yeah, this is like one of his little pet projects. Yeah, because, you know, Danny DeVito directs, produces, and stars in Matilda. Cast his own wife in the movie. He did. He did. I can't. I can't wait to talk. I, I, I really can't. <laughs> so Matilda follows a story of a very badly neglected little girl named Matilda who finds true escapism in the world of literature and uh, also discovers that she has <laughs> psychic kinetic abilities. Yeah, no. You, you ever just be able to move shit with your mind? Yeah. Like when you're six? I like, did you ever make anything happen? <laughs> anything you couldn't explain? When you were angry or scared. Oh, the surreptitious <laughs> Harry Potter references. So Matilda's a witch. No, yeah. <laughs> but we'll get more we'll get to we'll get to more of that. Um, this movie has such a deep tie to this movie has such deep ties to, you know, childhood trauma and those horrible feelings you felt as a child. And I can remember identifying with that. Yeah. Even at that age. And yeah. I and so th- this movie is very special and near and dear to my heart. So I'm very happy to talk about it. So, um, yeah, I already said Danny directs. <laughs> he also stars. Guys, Danny fucking DeVito. Has he been here before? He has technically been here uh, for Last Action Hero. Yes, yes, Danny DeVito was in Last Action Hero. The lecherous Whiskers. Yes, (laughs) Detective Whiskers or whatever the hell his name was. Sometimes I feel like we didn't cover that movie. I know, like it was a fever dream. I feel like I dreamt it, yeah. (laughs) You'll also know Danny DeVito from movies like Junior, Twins, which are both Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. You also know him from Big Fish. He was also the voice of Phil in Hercules. Oh my God, Danny DeVito, I love your work. <laughs> Guys, it's always sunny. That's right. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Can I offer you an egg in this trying time? Can I offer you a trying time in this trying time? <laughs> oh, God. We've got Rhea Perlman. <laughs> His uh, wife, Danny De- Mrs. DeVito. Mrs. DeVito. <laughs> Rhea Perlman, everybody, you are definitely familiar with her from Cheers. Carla from Cheers. Carla Tortelli. (laughs) We have Pam Ferris. You love Pam Ferris. I just love her in this and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban as Aunt Marge. Those are the only two things I know her from. I mean, And you know, despite this horrific role she's playing here, she apparently is the nicest lady. Yeah, she is. She's quite a good time. (laughs) We have M. Beth Davitz. Yes. I, of course, know her from this, first and foremost. But I also love her 
in her role as Rebecca Price on Mad Men. Oh, yeah. She's Lane's wife. She's Jared Harris's wife. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I know her. The other movie I know her from is the movie Fallen with Denzel Washington. I've never seen that. That, you would like that movie. That's about like a fallen angel demon thing that can move between people by touch. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I've seen snippets of that. And he's hunting Denzel Washington the whole time. Yeah. Oh, it's a great movie. She's in fucking Schindler's List. Is she really? Yeah. And she's also in Bicentennial Man. That's right. Oh, my God. She's also in Bridget Jones' Diary. (laughs) So go, go Embeth. I hope that's how you say your name. I hope it's not Embeth. In her second kicking and streaming appearance. Miss Mara Wilson. The one, the only Mara Wilson. My bisexual blogger queen. Oh my God. (laughs) Folks, if you're not following Mara Wilson on Twitter, you're missing out. Ben Shapiro's her cousin and it's so funny. She thinks he's so stupid. Oh, great. (laughs) Mara, I'm right there with you. (laughs) Poor Mara. Mara, call us. Also, some notables. We got Paul Rubens. Fucking Pee Wee Herman is here. (laughs) Oh no. I I can't wait to to just glaze over that. (laughs) There's Tracy Walter. He's been with us before in Independence Day. Oh, he's he like, was one of the. The arm is moving. <laughs> yeah, that in guy. Indi- yeah, that guy. <laughs> okay. So since we've been talking for 45 minutes, everyone is born, but not everyone is born the same. Some will grow to be butchers or bakers or candlestick makers. Some will only be really good at making Jello salad. One way or another, though, every human being is unique, for better or for worse. We open with Danny DeVito in voiceover. It's almost hard to recognize Danny DeVito in voiceover. Like, he sounds so just straightforward, and you expect Danny DeVito to either be doing a character or putting on a voice, but it's just his honest-to-God, normal, I'm reading you a book. No, yeah, I was in my late teens, I believe. Before Before you recognized that he was the narrator? As well as Mr. Wormwood, yeah. (laughs) So I felt extra stupid. There's most people... And then there's the Wormwoods. Oh, I hate the Wormwoods. We're in a hospital. We've just had a baby. Somebody has just had a baby. Zinnia. Zinnia. Zinnia Wormwood, played by Rhea Perlman. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then we have husband Harry, Danny. He is not excited to have a new baby. (laughs) I don't know what he said. $16,000? I'm not paying it. They're looking at the hospital bill. (laughs) And she is dressed like she's ready to go for cocktails. I know. Walking out of that hospital. What a waste of time. And painful. And expensive. Nine twenty-five for a bar of soap. Well, I had to take a shower, Harry. Five thousand dollars? I'm not paying it. What are they gonna do? Repossess the kids? These are characters. These are Tim Burton silhouettes right here, if there ever were <laughs> any. Like, listen, we're laughing, but they are the worst people. <laughs> I wrote, oh, Danny and Rhea. They are the worst people. Like, Not Danny and Rhea, but <laughs> Harry and Zinnia Wormwood. So the Wormwoods live in a very nice house and a very nice neighborhood. But yeah, they are just not nice people. Oh, they do not care about Matilda at all. And it infuriates me. They have another son, Michael. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe they just wanted this one. I mean, they treat him better than they treat her. I know. I think it's because he's a boy. It probably is. I'm so sorry, but it's probably because he's a boy. Like, they barely noticed her. The Wormwoods were so wrapped up in their own silly lives that they barely noticed they had a daughter. Had they paid any attention to her at all, they'd have realized she was a rather extraordinary child. 
Oh my gosh, Matilda, now look what you did. They named her Matilda. You're supposed to eat the spinach. She's an infant, barely able to hold herself upright, and she's spelling her own name in the spinach. The infant can spell and write. Like... And understand her that her own name is Matilda. Like, that is so crazy to me. Harry goes to work every morning. He sells junkers at really unfair prices. <laughs> we'll get into it. And uh, Zinnia just goes off to play bingo. She plays bingo for a living. Like That's how she makes her money. You know. But I'm just saying, Zinnia is the most powerful person in the room. I bet you. She <laughs> runs that thing. Everyone's afraid of her. Yes. People don't go because she's going to be there. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm telling you. People are looking at their bingo cards like, wow, I've got four bingos, but I'm legit afraid she's going to key my car. There, Yes. Th- that is where Zinnia thrives. Yes. <laughs> and then older brother Michael, he goes to school. They leave four-year-old Matilda alone in the house. They all, yeah, they all just leave the house, and she makes herself a whole-ass breakfast. Oh, this fucking song! I love this song. I mean, this is the movie you people know this song from. I was gonna say, how childhood is this? Yeah. Like, when you think of this, you think of Matilda. Uh, Exactly. She reads everything in the goddamn house. Yeah, there's no books in the house, just a lot of lousy magazines. So she, I bet she read the ads. Like, I bet she read every single word in every single publication. Oh, God, she had to read Playboy for the articles. So she gets out the phone book, looks up the address of the library, somehow manages to figure out where the library is in relation to her home, and walks ten blocks. By herself. That shot where she's crossing the intersection and she's in front of that... That big dump truck. And it can't see her. The driver can't see her. Yeah. I'm so nervous. (laughs) No one on their morning commute seem to notice there's a four-year-old walking by herself hey, to the library. Do you see that four-year-old going to the library every day? <laughs> Someone want to maybe call a police person? I think I'd stop her and ask her if everything's okay. Where are your parents? <laughs> She's a four-year-old. I know, and as an adult, I'm just like, no, someone call the cops! I can hardly get up to get the remote. I know! And she is <laughs> going to the library by herself at four. Matilda reads every children's book. In the library. Yeah. Every single one of them. And then she went, well, I'm going to read all the other goddamn books in this library. Just she starts picking up advanced material. Like she's reading college shit. She read a whole book on math. Just She just read a math textbook. Oh, why? Just to read it. I know, but like. And absorb the information in it. Like she just really wants to get those words in her eyes. And like. <laughs> and so Matilda gets herself a little wagon. Yeah. And starts carting books back and forth to the library every week. And this shot kind of makes me emotional. (laughs) Yeah, I know it does. I knew it would. So Matilda's strong young mind continued to grow, nurtured by the voices of all those authors who had sent their books out into the world, like ships onto the sea. I love it so much. And then, like, it's a a dissolve fade, and now we're little Mara Wilson. Mm -hmm. She's, like, six years old now. These books gave Matilda a hopeful and comforting message. You are not alone. I would I would also probably just live in books. Yeah. If uh, my family hated me that much. Now Matilda is telling her family that she wants to go to public school. They still have not put her in school. She's six and a half. Six and a half. You've never set foot in a library. You're only four years old. Six and a half. You're four. Six and a half. If you were six and a half, you'd be in school already. 
I want to be in school. I told you I was supposed to start school in September. You wouldn't listen. They also think she's lying, that she's six and a half. They think she's a liar and a little shit. I'm like, why are we fighting about how old she is? Because they don't know how old she is. Oh, God, that makes me so sad. Uh, and there are actual parents like that in the world. Who don't know how old their kids are? Because they don't care. Why they... do you even have children? Exactly. Here's Pi. How old is Matilda? Four. I'm six and a half, Mommy. Five, then. I was six in August. You're a liar. I want to go to school. And so the answer to that is patently no, because there would be no one here to accept packages during the day. Yeah, um, so they literally keep her at home and don't put her at school so she can participate in Harry's illegal stolen car part ring <laughs> because he's beginning to have them shipped to the house because the FBI might be watching the office. Oh. What the fuck, Harry? Dirty dealings, like buying stolen car parts, never stay secret for long. Especially when the FBI gets involved. Here's the thing. The FBI's watching the house. And they don't know. Because they're dumb as fuck. They are. They're so wrapped up in themselves and they think they're so clever. Like like Pee Wee Herman and the other guy are like parked (laughs) across the street. Detectives Pee Wee and Ralph. (laughs) Pee Wee and Ralph. Where's that buddy cop movie? They're the worst investigators I've ever seen. They're parked literally across the street. It's not surreptitious at all. And they're taking pictures of Harry just cart all of these packaged stolen car parts into the house. Harry comes home in the ugliest pinstripe suit I've ever fucking seen. (laughs) Which, I mean, pinstripe just in general. Well, I know. Doesn't that scream sleazy car salesman? Yeah. In combination with the fedora? I mean, you're right. He comes through the door with this inflated sense of pride because he had a really good day selling cars. Like, he rips people off bad. Like, he is a crook. Like, he's a fucking criminal. He sits Michael down at the table and he's like, all right, we're going to do the math. He's teaching his child. And the fourth cost $1,100. I sold it for 7839 big American boffos. Harry! What was my profit for the day? Can you repeat the last one? $10,265. So Matilda just did the math. Like, in her head. From across the table. Like, she's better than both of us at math combined. Didn't write any of it down, didn't need to show work, just had the answer. She's like, check it if you don't believe me. Are you being smart with me? Are you be? Yes, she is being smart with you. (laughs) Too bad you don't recognize it when you see it. If you're being smart with me, young lady, you're going to be punished. Punished for being smart? For being a smart aleck. When a person is bad, that person has to be taught a lesson. Person? This conversation was also a revelation to me. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the mistake he makes, as Danny DeVito points out, is that he said person when a person is bad. And so that means that children could punish their parents. He taught her something very valuable that day. <laughs> yes, he did. It's, it's funny when you're a kid listening to that and going, huh. Time to make mischief. Uh, Now Matilda realizes, I'm fucking with these hoes. (laughs) So what's her first idea, Ross? I don't know what oil of violets is, but... Uh, Remember head tonic? Uh... Like hair tonic? It's just hair oil to make your hair slick back. So wait a minute. You need to help me understand exactly what she does. Okay, so mom... Yes. Zinnia 
is a bleach bottle blonde. Zinnia has to put peroxide in her hair to give herself those highlights, okay? Yes. So what Matilda does is she goes into their bedroom real early in the morning before the alarm clock goes off. She takes the cap off of Harry's air... <laughs> she takes the cap off of Harry's... She takes the cap off of Harry's hair oil. Harry's hair oil. Yeah, it's really hard to say. Harry's hair oil, and she dumps mom's peroxide in the bottle. She gives it a good shake and puts it back on the shelf. This scene makes my ass leak. So everybody else is in the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. Getting breakfast. <laughs> Michael's eating cookies. Here comes Harry. He's decided to take Michael out to learn the family business. Yeah, and so this is supposed to be a really important day, and here comes Harry, bopping down the hallway, humming a tune. He is so excited. He goes, today we diddle the customer. No, Danny! Oh, stop. No! You could have rewritten that. Okay, my boy, heir to the throne, today we diddle the customer. What's wrong with you? What are you looking at? Lovekins, where's my breakfast? Here we are, my heartstrings! <laughs> the noise she makes. <laughs> Just, I can't. She throws the cereal. <laughs> Snickerdoodle, what did you do to your hair? My hair? He just goes, looks himself in the mirror, and his hair... Oh. Oh, it's orange. It's orange. It's bad. It falls over. Matilda is so pleased. Oh, I know. She is <laughs> laughing. Serves him fucking right. I know. For being a complete cock all the time. So dad takes the kids to the dealership to show him how he fleeces the people out of their hard-earned money. I mean, he is doing everything and anything to these cars to sell them. Like anything, any corner he can cut, he's going to do it. The super, super glue bumpers. The sawdust in the transmission. Drilling back the miles yeah, in he, the odometer. He runs back the miles so the cars look newer than they actually are. I j Matilda... Who actually has a basic understanding of the law? She's six. <laughs> she is six years old. Just is looking around and goes, Dad, you're a crook. <laughs> this is illegal. <laughs> Danny DeVito, who actually puffs himself up quite large. Yes, he is very large compared to her. You know what I mean? I love this line. Do you make money? Do you have a job? No, but don't people need good cars? Can't you sell good cars, Dad? Listen, you little wiseacre. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. And there's nothing you can do about it. Which is just kind of like the anthem of every bitter adult. I know! You know what I mean? He's got his pudgy little finger in her chest, and I'm like, stop poking her! This movie is quite the testament of being addicted children. No, here's the thing. <laughs> I will continue to make my case throughout, but the most valuable thing Roald Dahl ever taught us as a generation is that adults can be the bad guys. Yeah. Like, not villains. Like, ordinary, everyday adults can be the villains in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Zinnia wins big at bingo. She pulls up in a red convertible. The noises this woman makes. Harry, I won! I won! I hit the double bingo! Come on, everybody! I'm taking you all to Cafe Le Ritz! We have a car, we have cash, we are going out to a fancy lunch. <laughs> How much you get? That's for me to know and for you to find out. Because he never lets her have any money. Right? <laughs> and so, like, right before they get in the car, Matilda goes, here's your hat, Dad. She super glued the rim of his hat. <laughs> 
And that motherfucker puts it right on his head. He's not paying attention. Oh, she's just, she's done. She's like, I'm going to be evil. I'm going to be evil. So we get to the fancy restaurant and Zinnia's like, Harry, take off your hat. This is a nice place. You can't wear a hat inside. I can't take it off. Harry, nobody cares what your hair looks like. I can't get it off. I can't get it off. I can't get it off. Just a minute. I'm going to get this hat off. I'm pulling it. A scene erupts where Zinnia is literally just trying to pull this hat off his head and it will not come off. And we're yelling and arguing (laughs) and grunting. And like, I feel like everybody has seen something devolve between two other people in public before. (laughs) It's just not, it's just uncomfy. Like, you wish you weren't sitting there. Exactly. Like, Zinnia, you just got through saying this is a nice place. <laughs> just quietly remove yourselves and deal with the problem. But no, she keeps pulling on the brim of that hat until it finally gives way. The whole, the whole brim of the hat rips off. Yeah. And, like, Zinnia topples backward over a table behind her. This sends Harry into a table, which then into a waiter, which then sends cakes flying. <laughs> and one lands perfectly with a four on top of it in front of Matilda and one splatters all over Michael. It's great. It's great. Like the whole restaurant is in chaos and Matilda's just sitting there like, mm, blueberry tart, bitch. I love this moment. We're, tr- we're at home. We're trying to cut Harry's hat off of his head. I still don't understand how you glued your hat on Harry. I mean, I know you say you didn't, but obviously you did. <laughs> Like, I know you say you didn't, but obviously you did. Like, that's her only conclusion. Like, she can't explain it. And they finally get it off, but not entirely. (laughs) There are pieces still stuck to his head. Oh, the skin is so irritated where the the glue has been. Just him with all that shit on his head. I will not be the object of ridicule. (laughs) From now on, everybody in this family does everything I say when exactly when I say it. Here we go. (laughs) So they turn on the television and we're watching Million Dollar Sticky. (laughs) This is where we put a person in an air tank, cover them in, I don't know what. It looks like wallpaper glue. Or some kind of glue. And then they dump a bunch of cash in the machine and it blows all over you. And whatever you're able to walk out of that thing with, you're just stuck to your body. Just plastering dollars to your body. I hope those aren't the actual bills that he has to keep and take home. I was thinking about that. I was like, I hope they don't use real money. Are you ready to get sticky with Mickey? Guess who's Mickey? It's John Lovitz, everybody. John fucking Lovitz. He was just here last week in The Producers. (laughs) I'm glad he's uncredited. Oh my God. It's like if you weren't paying attention, you almost wouldn't notice him. Harry and Zinnia and Michael are all having TV dinners. And she's just reading Moby Dick quietly. Yeah, Matilda's just minding her own business. Like literally minding her own goddamn business. Dinner time is family time. What is this trash you're reading? It's not trash, Daddy. It's lovely. It's called Moby Dick by Herman Melville. Moby what? (laughs) Do you have any idea how old I was before I got that? And then he does the worst thing and begins to desecrate the literature. He rips the library book out of her hand. And she's like, that is not mine. That is a library book and I will not be paying the fine. He starts ripping pages out. Which, I mean, Moby Dick's all right. He's just ripping it and calling it trash. And like he makes her sit up. And look at the TV. They put this dumb shit in the tank and they start spraying money all over him. (laughs) 
And they all start like laughing maniacally. It's it's like a very ha ha money money money. And the music is getting louder more and, and more intense. More intense. And then all of a sudden. The TV explodes. Oh, I'd love to bust like that one day. <laughs> <laughs> like that TV did? <laughs> she made the TV explode. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I know. Of course you didn't do it, you little twit. But guys, she totally did. Like just the anger in that moment, the energy. So that was a whole new thing for Matilda. <laughs> That's never happened before. She knows she did it. But she doesn't understand it at all, so this is definitely confusing and scary. So the next day, while Harry's on the lot selling lemons... I love this silhouette conversation. Yeah, because we don't see this person, right? We just see them in silhouette. It's Agatha Trunchbull, the principal at Crunchum Hall Elementary School. She probably named it. Oh, yeah, huh? Well, uh... My school is a model of discipline. Use the rod, beat the child. That's my motto. Terrific motto. You have brats yourself. Yeah, I got a boy, Mikey, and one mistake, Matilda. They're all mistakes, children. Filthy, nasty things. Glad I never was one. What do you mean you never were one, (laughs) ma'am? Did she just crawl out from (laughs) under a rock one day? She goes, I'm glad I never was one. Uh Uh-huh. He goes, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. So, so listen, can I sell you a terrible car? Yes. <laughs> and so he comes home from work that day. He's going to send her to this woman's authoritarian elementary school. You know, the school she should already be in. I know, like, right? Like, this didn't need to be the reason to put her in school. But we're going to put her in school just to torment her. Uh-huh. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> this place is a dump. I love a little, little voiceover that we get in narration before she, as she's getting out at the school. She pictured a lovely building surrounded by trees and flowers and swings. Well, there was a building. And children. So, yeah, um, it's a factory. <laughs> it is a former factory that has been converted into a public school. You can see like the 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 funnel where all the smog comes from uh-huh. in factories. I wonder what kind of factory it was. I don't know, man. But I'm like, it's really heavy-handed. All of the we don't need no education <laughs> and the little and the and the gate with the with the words on the Crunchum Hall on it. It, just, it looks so <laughs> ominous. This looks like straight out of Tim Burton. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ominous. And so we go into the schoolyard. Uh huh. There are children playing. Obviously, school hasn't started. Just just yet. We meet Lavender, mm-hmm. who's a little girl Matilda's age. I love the glasses. I love the glasses, too. We stand Lavender. We also meet Hortensia, which just roll doll. Wow. Why? <laughs> this book was a British book. Hortensia. It was a name. She's, like, closer to probably like, 13, 14. Like, Matilda's, what, a first grader? So she's probably, like, a fifth grader or something. They are waiting for the super scary principal to come out and make the morning rounds. And invite them all in. Yeah, like... This is her house. <laughs> <laughs> so those big doors open, and here comes Agatha Trunchbull. Immediate fear. Oh, the fear is so real. And I mean, like, I always remember, like, I always remember watching it as a kid, and, you know, the, my ass was tense from this point on throughout my viewing of the film. They're doing that Miranda Priestly thing, right, where we don't see her face at first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. And she's just walking around trying to intimidate children. Agatha Trunchbull is a former Olympian. She meddled in shot put, javelin, 
hammer throw. That's the school's motto. Shot put javelin hammer throw? Though That is the school's official motto. It's on a plaque right inside the door. Oh my god. And there's, it's got a big portrait of her. Because this is all about her. Yes. This is her. She's a serial abuser. Yeah, no, let's not, yeah, let's not call it anything other than what it is. She literally tortures these children. For fun. Yeah. So she literally threw a boy out a window for eating M&Ms while she was talking. Yeah. And then she, she has this little chamber in her office called the Chokey, which is literally just a busted closet. You have to stand in a drippy pipe with jagged edges, and the walls are broken glass and nails sticking Get out. Fistering ball of ass! She puts kids in there? I've been in twice. Sometimes she leaves you in there all day. But didn't you tell your parents? They didn't believe me. I mean, would your parents believe it? This woman is evil. She's just she's just evil. She's evil incarnate. And then she walks right up to this very cute little girl named Amanda Fripp. I love little Amanda. She's got her cute blonde hair and her pigtails, her glasses, and her pink overalls. I love it. She's a very sweet little girl. She's just minding her own GD business. I just, when she walks, when she walks up to her, just her little, she's like, she knows she's going to get it for no goddamn reason. Oh, no. These poor children. Trunchbull is just here to give her shit about her pigtails. Yeah. You'll chop those off before school tomorrow, or I will come around. But. 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 Did you say but? Trunchbull grabs this adorable little girl by the pigtails and starts swinging her around like she's a hammer throw. Like we're back in Munich. Yeah! (laughs) What the fuck? Oh my god, didn't she get hurt doing this? Yes, poor Pam Ferris was injured a few times while filming this movie. The little girl, Jackie's her name, right? Yeah. They've got the little girl in a harness and on wires to spin her around like that. But the wires also go through her pigtails and wrap around Pam Ferris's fingers. And so when she's swinging her around, on one of the takes when when she lets her go... One of those wires severed the top of her finger. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Can you hear Danny? Like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Call 911. <laughs> Call 911. Cut, literally. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. And so she goes, this poor little girl goes flying. Think she'll make the fence? Can we close one? You know, I don't realize that what's happening here is Matilda saves her. Yeah, she, like, Amanda lands pretty soft across the fence. Yeah, in the flowers. And, like, yeah. she's just sliding on her... Because you think she's going to get impaled on that fence. Yeah, and she's just gently sliding on her bottom, scooping up flowers as she goes. Like, Matilda saved Trunchbull a murder charge. <laughs> <laughs> How do you explain that to the authorities? Well, officer, it was Well, a... she was being a little piss bitch, so I threw her onto the fence. <laughs> oh Serves her right, rotten child. So nothing comes of that. We just all go to school. So you know how everybody in this movie has been horrible up to this point? Mm-hmm. Enter Miss Honey. Jennifer Honey. Oh, my God. Miss um, Honey is the teacher of Matilda's first grade class. She's an absolute dream in every single way. This is uh, M. Beth. What's her last name? M. Beth Davitz. M. Beth Davitz. Miss Honey was a wonderful teacher and a friend to everyone. But her life was not as simple and beautiful as it seemed. Miss Honey had a deep, dark secret. Though it caused her great pain, 
she did not let it interfere with her teaching. Miss Honey is so beautiful and lovely mm -hmm. and patient. She actually enjoys being an educator. Exactly. She loves working with she kids. She cares about her job. I know. And doesn't mind getting paid shit for it. I know. <laughs> God damn it. Like, you know, they're learning. They're doing their times tables. Pretty soon you'll be able to do any multiplication, whether it's 2 times 7. 14. Very good. Or... 13 times 379. <laughs> 4,927. I beg your pardon? I think that's the answer. Miss Honey starts scratching it out on paper mm -hmm. by hand. And like, I love it. She's like looking through her little glasses and like she looks at the paper. That's one of my favorite memes where she takes her glasses down off her eyes. <laughs> it is. Wow. I love lavender. <laughs> Big mood, lavender. <laughs> so, guess what? We're watching television back at the Wormwood house. We're watching television. We're watching a fight. I don't know who's fighting. Vasquez, I think, is the name of one of them. Yeah. So, ding dong, it's Miss Honey. Miss Honey is here to tell Matilda's parents that she's gifted. Yeah, that, she's, that she thinks she's very special. So, basically, she sits them down and she's like, listen, she is learning at a very accelerated rate. She is studying material I didn't read until college. Yeah. I think she might be ready for college in literally just a few short years if she had better instruction. And Harry and Zinnia, who can always be counted upon to be negligent. Like the way they just go, oh, college. And then Zinnia reads Honey. Look, Miss Snit, a girl does not get anywhere by acting intelligent. I mean, take a look at you and me. You chose books. I chose looks. I have a nice house, a wonderful husband, and you are slaving away teaching snot-nosed children their ABCs. You want Matilda to go to college? <laughs> <laughs> How can you be that evil? I don't know. How can you want so little for a child? Like, it's just because they know they're going to have to pay for it, I guess. Mm. And like, they don't think they need college to be smart, which I mean, hey, and you don't necessarily. Harry, but... Harry goes, I didn't go to college. Didn't need you to tell us, Harry. <laughs> and he goes, and I don't know anybody who did. So they throw her out. That's the end of that conversation. She leaves, and she leaves a copy of The Wind in the Willows. For, for Matilda. For Matilda to read. I love that book. So Trunchbull's reign of terror continues with the infamous public humiliation of one Bruce Bogtrotter. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about Bruce, Ross? Well, I was a Bruce in school. <laughs> I was the fat kid who everyone enjoyed because I was self-deprecating. Oh, dear. I feel that Bruce is a little bit of that. Or maybe Bruce is just a sweet boy trying to exist in his body. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Like, can we lay off Bruce, please? But Bruce also likes to sneak food. Bruce snuck into the school kitchen, and he ate Trunchbull's personal slice of chocolate cake. Like, he's not he, hes not being an angel about it, either. She calls him up front. <laughs> We're in this big assembly hall. F the school is there. The, the whole school. She calls him up in front of everybody, and she's like, so, you like cake, do ya? Yeah. She gives him a slice of cake, and she's like, you're going to eat it in front of everybody. He starts eating it, and everybody's like... That shit's poison, bro. <laughs> Don't do it. Everybody's like, what's up? What's going to happen to him? So he finishes the slice of cake, and she's like, did you enjoy that? And he goes, yeah. Yeah, I did. Sure did. Yeah. You look like you enjoyed that, Brucey. What's wrong? You must have some more. Uh, no, thanks. But you'll hurt Cook's feelings. Huh? Cookie. <laughs> 
And this woman, this decrepit old woman. Cookie. Cookie. (laughs) She's holding a big tray of cake. This cake is as big as a car tire. This cake is meant for a large party. Like, this, it's humongous. It's a quadruple layer cake. She puts it down in front of Bruce. Her sweat and blood went into this cake, and you will not leave this platform until you have consumed the entire confection. Entire confection. See you at lunch. Thank you, Cookie. Well, I don't have anything to back this up, but Cookie definitely cooks meth behind the school. (laughs) I don't have a single piece of evidence to back that up. She's a Disney witch. She (laughs) is just greasy and evil looking. She's the Disney witch that makes meth. (laughs) This is where Rakan apparently was very much dramatized. He said to this day, he does not like to watch people eat. He does not like a lot of condiments on his food or looking at people with food on their face. Oh my God. All because of this scene. Like the entire school is just watching Bruce go mow on this cake. And imagine if the state knew about this. For crying out loud. <laughs> imagine if the state knew about a lot of the things Crunchem Hall does. We're going to send this poor kid into diabetic shock in front of his entire school. I have a question. Tell me. Do you notice any other teachers? No, I don't see a single other teacher. Besides Miss Honey, right? Right. Like, Miss Honey's not there. It's literally Trunchbull, just the kids. And like, where are all the teachers? Have they been ordered to stay in their rooms? I don't know, man. Sounds like they'd be witness to, like, some kind of abuse otherwise. I guess. But still, throughout the film, you never see another teacher. All these adults who are just silent about the way she runs this school. Maybe that's intentional. I want to talk to them. Maybe that's intentional. The absent adult. Ooh. Because there's a lot of those in this film. Oh my god, this is disturbing. It is disturbing. Like, so we're getting near the end of the cake. Oh, he's almost there. Poor Brucie. Oh man, and so like he's starting to fade away. He's getting ready to hurl. Like, yeah, like it's about that time. So Matilda just finally decides this shit is fucking evil. And she stands up and she goes, You can do it, Brucie! And Trunchbull has lost control. (laughs) Bruce eats the rest of that fucking cake and holds that empty platter up to the school. It's like it's a trophy. And everybody is fucking cheering. It's a great moment. (laughs) Until Trunchbull snatches that tray out of his hand. And assaults him with it. She smashes it over his skull. (laughs) Silence! Every child in the school will stay five hours after school and copy from the dictionary. Under threat of choking. Oh my god. So Matilda makes some friends. Yeah, we're we're going in the creek with Lavender. And- Matilda gang is basically Lavender, Matilda, Bruce, Hortensia, and the redhead kid who doesn't get a name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're finding all kinds of wildlife. Like, Lavender catches this cute little newt and puts him in a jar. <laughs> and so we get into class and everybody's girding their loins. Yes. Because Trunchbull is supposed to teach their class today. I think she just goes from classroom to classroom day to day. Like, terrorizing the class. Exactly. And I think it's Miss Honey's day. And so we're like putting away all the colorful stuff, anything that might spark joy. She's just like, Miss Honey is wandering around like she's on, you know, run Project Runway. Like, austerity, austerity, we need more austerity. Hurry, hurry, I hear her coming. 
Okay, now, last time, some of you forgot yourselves. Don't speak unless you're spoken to. Don't laugh, don't smile, don't even breathe loudly. Don't breathe at all. And so, like, everybody's puckered. Mm-hmm. And Trunchbull's walking around. She starts doing her intimidation game. Just playing head games with all the children. And, like, so what happens is the Trunchbull walks to the front of the room, starts pouring herself a glass of water. And here's what we forgot to mention. Lavender, as she was setting up the Trunchbull's water pitcher, dumped that newt she found in the river into the water pitcher... So when Trunchbull pours herself a glass of water, we get some newt garnish with that. (laughs) A garnish. Just a little bit of newt. (laughs) She's drinking this glass of water with the newt in it. And everybody can see. Like, I don't know how she doesn't see. Exactly. It's right in her fucking face. (laughs) It's staring at her. Like, please don't drink me. I just love the way she goes, what's funny? She looks down and sees that new and she devolves. She's just, oh my God, she's upset. A snake. One of you tried to poison me. Who? And Matilda already has her hand up and she goes, I just thought you'd like to know it's a new, not a snake. (laughs) Like, bitch, you're going to correct her? She has no fear. She has absolutely no fear. I'm telling you, I didn't do it. Besides, even if you didn't do it, I'm going to punish you. Because I'm big and you're small, and I'm right and you're wrong, and there's nothing you can do about it. Matilda's squinting. She's doing her squinting. And she knocks that glass over, and the newt goes flying onto Trunchbull. Am I wrong? I'm never wrong. In this classroom, in this school, I am God! And this is where Trunchbull begins to dance. <laughs> she's like, get it off me. She'll do everything except actually touch it. Like she's like shaking and shimmying. She finally throws it off her onto a lamp and then into a kid's arms. <laughs> she tries to blame it on Matilda. Honey's like, she was all the way over here. <laughs> like, And so Trunchbull's like, all right. I'm going to be big brother on all of you. <laughs> Um, I love how all the kids have to go and give Miss Honey a hug. I know. Like, what a terror. (laughs) Day in and day out. And Matilda comes up to her and she tries to take responsibility for the water. I did it. It was my fault. She was like, don't let her make you feel that way. And she's like, no, I have powers. (laughs) (laughs) When you're trying to tell somebody, look, this is what happened. Here, I'll show you. And she pours another glass of water. She's going to try and make it tip over. And no matter how hard she concentrates, she can't get it to tip over. And she's just like, you know what? I guess I think I just made myself tired doing it the last time. And she goes, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) You want to come over to my house and talk a little bit more about that? Because it looks like you need to talk about some things. Yeah, Miss Honey invites her over for tea and cookies to her house after school, which that was totally 90s. You can't do that anymore. For good reason. They pass this fuck you mansion. (laughs) It's not a mansion. And she's like, hmm. That's where Trunchbull lives. Oh, my God. Like, Trunchbull lives, like, a brisk walk from school. A little bit, yeah. And so, why does she drive? Why did she need that car? (laughs) She could javelin herself to school. (laughs) Or hammer throw herself to school. (laughs) Just launch herself. (laughs) 
like she's a circus act. That's how she gets into the school. She launches herself down the smokestack and into the school. She starts telling Matilda the story of the girl that she knew that used to live in that house. This little girl who lost her mother when she was very, very little, and her father was a doctor, but because he was so busy all the time, he needed someone to help him care for the little girl. So he gets his wife's sister to come stay with them. Trunchbull. Yeah, it's Trunchbull. Mm -hmm. And the Trunch treats this little girl so horribly when dad's not looking. Mm -hmm. Like, just fear and intimidation. There's no love there whatsoever. And then, mysteriously, a couple years later, the little girl's father dies. Under suspicious circumstances. Where's my TCO podcast about the murder of Magnus Honey? (laughs) (laughs) Like, honestly! And worst of all, when the girl was five, her father died. How did her father die? The police decided he'd killed himself. Why would he do such a thing? No one knows. And so, like... I wonder what she did to him. I don't know, man. Like, it's so horribly implied that Trunchbull killed him, but we never get anything on that. I want to know how it happened. And then it was just the Trunchbull caring for this little girl. And then this little girl went off to college and then found herself a nice little cottage that she rented from a rhubarb farmer for $50 a month. What a sweet deal. I know, right? (laughs) And she just made her own little home there. Her own little oasis with bunches of flowers and a nice little quaint life. They come up on this little cottage. This is a cottage from your story. Yes. The young woman is you. But then... No. Yes. And Trunchbull. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Oh, no! So that means he's just like, yep. Auntie Aggie. That is so bananas. Also, Miss Honey is fairy core. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) This cottage is decorated for Jesus. There's wildflowers planted everywhere. She's got all this sweet china for her tea. (laughs) She's given her tea and cookies. And Matilda's like, well, you know, why didn't you just leave? Trunchbull has all of her money, all of her old belongings, all tied up in that house. The the house belongs to Miss Honey. Yeah. Like, Trunchbull only got it because she murdered her father. One of the things that she had to leave behind when she left was this beautiful little china doll that her mother gave her. And she has the most annoying nickname for her, which is Lissy Doll. Lissy. Lissy. Spelled uh, L-I-C-C-I. I'm uh, like, ugh. Lychee? So they're going back by the house, and who appears out the front door, ready to go shot putting, javelining, (laughs) hammer throwing to the gym? Gone shot putting. Be back in five. She's got this big gray sweatshirt on that says Olympics 1972. Oh God! Which is the Olympics in Munich with all the murder? Yeah. 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 Fuck! (laughs) No. The woman's seen some shit. And a black cat comes up to her. She fucking loses her mind. Back, 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 back. She's afraid of a cat. Black cats. She's very superstitious. Go. Cause she yeets that cat with her foot. She hauls ass out of there, and Matilda goes, let's break an entering. <laughs> Let's go get your doll. Like, before Miss Honey can grab her, she's like, let's go. Matilda. (laughs) Miss Honey. (laughs) She's a smart kid. She knows what she's doing. I know. So Miss Honey follows her inside. We're showing her around the house. We go into the living room. The portrait. Oh, God. The portrait of Trunchbull. 
on the field in Munich Ugh. with the with the javelin sword. It looks like a war painting. It does. It looks like something you paint of a general after battle. And so we we also see the chocolate box, mm-hmm. Magnus's little stash of chocolates that he would keep special for him and Miss Honey. Mm-hmm. And like, but and then she's like, when after he died, she would count them, so I couldn't even sneak one. Yeah, that's so awful. I like, know. Matilda runs upstairs, and this is where Miss Honey shows her her old bedroom. Mm-hmm. We've got like all of her toys, and all of the paintings that used to hang around the house are in this room. Yeah, there's this giant portrait of Magnus, mm-hmm. and um, I think this is where you might want to mention the fact that uh, you're hot for Magnus. Listen, the man <laughs> portrayed in the painting, I'd like to get to know him. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You'd like to buy him a drink? I'd like to get to know Miss Honey. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, two beautiful people. What can you do? Aggie's having a little bit of car trouble. (laughs) This horrible car that Harry sold her is just not going to work. It like quits halfway down the road. And so she's getting fucking pissed. She picks this car up and turns it around and begins to push it back home. All the way back to the house. Like, they're looking at Lissy Doll. On the bed, and just as she goes out to touch it, one word! You! Useless used car salesman scum! I want you around here now! With another car! Yes, I know what caveat emptor means, you low life liar! I'm gonna sue you, I'm gonna burn down your showroom, I'm gonna take that no good jalopy you sold me and shove it up your bazooka! When I finish with you, you're gonna look like roadkill! <laughs> Screaming at him on the phone, and this is where she sees that Miss Honey didn't put the lid back on the chocolate box right. It's very calculated. She's a very observant person. She's very Annie Wilkes. Yeah. Oh, Paul, my little ceramic penguin always faces due east in the sitting room. Oh, my You thought God. I wouldn't notice. Oh, my God. Who's in my house? That th- this whole sequence is too much. Oh, now we're in a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, my pulse goes a thousand miles a minute. Because Miss Honey and Matilda are still upstairs. And Miss Honey's like, okay, all right, we're going to split up. Again, nose of a dog and the ears of a fox. Yeah, I know. Miss Trunchbull has. So she keeps hearing both of them make noise mm-hmm. and keeps ping-ponging back and forth between chasing both of them. And so we come to this place where Matilda's in the kitchen. She's underneath the table, which has a big tablecloth on it. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh God, this is the tablecloth lift. Yeah. We've seen it in movies many times. And Trunchbull goes to lift that tablecloth. No Matilda. And like, she like throws the cloth back down. She's so pissed. And then we see Matilda. Matilda has braced herself between the corners of the table. On all fours. Like she's a ninja. <laughs> Honey gets to the kitchen door and sees what's up. Yeah, she sees Matilda like fighting to hold her hold her position. So she goes and slams the front door to distract Trunchbull and then comes back down the back stairs and then takes them where? Not out the front door, but into the basement? I don't get this. Like I think they had enough time to get out the front door. I think Miss Honey thought that the front door would be obvious and she knows the house well enough to know that there is a cellar door. It's a big house. It is a big it's house. It's a very large house. And so we get to the cellar door. It's locked. So they go out the window and she comes to, when, oh my God, because 
Trunchbull gets the fucking... A hammer throw. Yeah. Swinging it around like a mace. She gets down to that basement. She goes, some brats are gonna die today. And I'm like, ah! ah!" (laughs) (laughs) They just get away. They barely escape. And Trunchbull is heavy breathing. (laughs) Hair matted, sweat everywhere. And just the way she just... She's so mad. She's so mad she didn't get to kill somebody. Oh, holy shit. So Miss Honey looks at Matilda and goes, promise me. Look at me. Look at me with both your eyes. Promise me you'll never go back in there. She's like, I promise. Okay. So Matilda comes home and Zinnia is entertaining Officer Pee-wee and Ralph. The FBI guys have decided it's time to make their presence known. She's like, she thinks they're speedboat salesmen. Harry comes in, finds them all there together. Who are you? What is this, a hot tub party? Get the hell out of here. I slave all day. I come home, you're entertaining a couple of surfer dude bodybuilders. The cops, Dad. And so they get out of there and... Still don't know that they're FBI agents. Yeah. They haven't put it together. Just the way that they're he's going back and forth with them and Matilda is just standing across the room and goes, they're cops, Dad. They're cops. <laughs> Could you imagine being officers Pee-wee and Ralph? <laughs> and like the, the six-year-old blew our cover. <laughs> like she just keeps saying it every so often. They're cops, Dad. Like, <laughs> just accept it. And, you know, Harry's like, do you hear something? <laughs> what is that buzzing noise? So Mom and Dad start arguing, yelling back and forth forth at one another. This is where Matilda realizes her powers come from rage and emotion. The sound of her father screaming is really triggering this power for her. She's standing in her bedroom at the end of the hall, listening to Harry scream at Zinnia. Yell at me again! Yell at you! I'll come in there and pound your miserable hide! What do I have to do to gain respect around here? I'm gonna give you a tanning like you never heard in your life! My word is my law! Your law! And she gets it slammed in his face. And locked! Yeah, I know! It's crazy! (laughs) My word is my law! And then we get a shot of her trying to pour milk into cereal. I love this bit because like she realizes that she can control this if she just practices. Mm-hmm. So she's like trying to do little trials for herself. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get the cereal into the bowl and pour the milk on top of it. Mm-hmm. And this is the beginning of another iconic sequence. from the trailer. This is the movie you know this song from. (laughs) Little Mara Wilson is standing in the middle of the living room making everything not nailed down. Fly around! Yeah! And move and spin! (laughs) It's a great little sequence. We've got poker cards and like bingo chips. Yeah. And the doll is dancing by itself in the chair. According to Danny DeVito, she was like really nervous to film this scene because she doesn't, she's embarrassed when she dances in front of other people Mm -hmm. and he looks at her and goes well you know why that's because they're not dancing you're the only one dancing she said yeah so i said okay here we go and i put the music on and we all danced 
everybody danced. The craft service people, the boom guy, the, the special effects man, the, the cinematographer. So everybody in the studio started dancing with her behind Aww. the camera so she wouldn't feel self-conscious. That's great. I love that. I, love I want it. footage of that. I love how Matilda literally just goes out. Like Matilda is getting all ready to go out. Like she at night. At at 6 years old. Yeah. She's going to she's going to leave the house and go back over to the Trunchbulls and try to get Miss Honey's stuff back. Mm-hmm. So we go to the Trunchbulls house. It's the dead of night. She's having a cuppa, a night in. She's sharpening her javelin by the fireplace. How scary. <laughs> She takes a chocolate out of that box. She pops it in her mouth, wrapper and all. I noticed that too. She eats the wrapper. She don't care. (laughs) She's like, my body's a tank. I can take it. Matilda climbs up onto the garage roof. Which is funny. If you watch it, the roof is foam. Is it really? Yeah, you can. Like, if you notice her whip her leg back and forward over the gable, you can see (laughs) the little, like, roof shingles bouncing around. I'm glad she didn't have to sit her bottom on those hard shingles. Exactly. She, like, sees Miss Honey's bedroom window, Mm -hmm. and she opens the window, turns the light on, all with her mind. (laughs) And she manages to, like, draw Lissy Doll off the bed through the open air and into her open arms. Yeah. All, by the way, during a magnificent windstorm. Exactly. Like, there's just like a billion, like, fans all blowing around her off camera. And you know what? She should have just left. She should have just left. But no. We're going to drive Trunchbull knucking futs. (laughs) I love this part. I love this part. So the first thing that Matilda does is she makes all of the clocks... In the house, ding to the next hour. It's nine o'clock now. <laughs> and Trunchbull looks at the clock like, what? <laughs> Wasn't it just eight? I lost time there. Okay. So she gets a cup of tea and she sits down and then she moves the clock forward another hour. <laughs> like in 30 seconds. Yeah. And then the clock strikes 10 and Trunchbull's like, what? And she grabs the clock off the mantle and she's shaking and she's like, no, absolutely not. Oh my God. Then Matilda starts making the power line shake. Yeah. So that the lights will flicker on and off. <laughs> and now Agatha's like, okay, something's up. She, the way she grabs hold of her javelin and stands up. <laughs> Matilda's throwing open all the windows. All the wind is coming in. Papers flying everywhere. And like, like Trunchbull. Trunchbull shook. She's just talking to whatever spirit she thinks is out there. Leave me alone! And then she sees her portrait begin to waggle off the wall. And then Matilda puts it right in the fire. (laughs) What a maniacal little shit! (laughs) (laughs) And then Matilda does the worst thing. She hears all those shot put balls coming down the stairs. Rolling down the stairs. And she's like, how's this happening? (laughs) Why are my shot put balls alive? And then just that big portrait of Magnus is floating down at her and I'm like, ah! I scream every time. (laughs) It's so ominous. The portrait just hangs itself right in the empty space where her portrait just was. Magnus resumes his place on the mantle. I mean, it's Matilda, but it's funny. (laughs) And then the clock strikes midnight. And that's the last straw. She runs out of her house and Matilda's like, ha yes. She also steals two chocolates. Yeah, she does. One for her and one for Miss Honey. 
And then she pops that chocolate in her mouth and she runs off. Little do we know, she's lost her ribbon. Yeah, and like the wind blows it across Trunchbull's mirror and it catches. Mm -hmm. And Trunchbull, like doing her apex predator routine, sniffs it and she's like, I smell children. (laughs) Matilda runs up to Miss Honey the next day outside school with Lissy Doll and goes, I have something for you. And Miss Honey's like, you fucking did not. <laughs> and then a very disheveled Trunchbull shows up for work. She has had a long night. She is not made up. <laughs> I will be teaching your class today. So they're going into the class and they're preparing for Trunchbull. And uh, Miss Honey is not mad, but Miss Honey is disappointed. Mm-hmm. Because Matilda promised her she would not go back in the house. And she's like... Girl, I didn't. I used my powers. Like, Miss Honey, you don't get it. I can move shit with my mind. And she's like, yeah, huh, you told me about your powers before. Real funny. You know, we've got the water pitcher again. (laughs) We got to get Trunchbull's water pitcher for her. And Matilda, just like she's flipping a light switch, makes that water jug, like, rise off the table. And, like, absentmindedly... Miss Honey just, like, puts it back down. No, I feel like in that moment she's like, okay, I'm seeing that. Yeah. (laughs) That needs to go back down. And Matilda does it again. And then Miss Honey's like, bitch, what? (laughs) And I just love the way she goes, no more Miss Nice Girl. Trunchbull is here to do some theater of the uncomfortable. (laughs) She lines all the kids up through the middle of the room and starts using intimidation tactics to get one of them to confess to being at her house last night. She takes out the ribbon. Oh, man. And she's like, I shall personally see to it that the demented, drooling, slime-breathed little Lilliputian who owns this disgusting ribbon will never see the light of day again. She doesn't even give anybody a chance to confess. She goes right to Matilda. And then Miss Honey's like, listen, it was me. I was the one who was there. And she takes Miss Honey's arm. Miss Trunchbull, I was the one who was at your house last night. I know I, I, don't, I broke your arm once before. I can do it again, Jenny. I am not seven years old anymore, Aunt Trunchbull. The gasp. <laughs> The comedic gas from all the children. Like, dun, dun, dun. I just love Trunchbull. Shut your holes. And this is where Matilda starts just, the flex on this. I know. Is incredible. She makes a piece of chalk rise on its own and start writing a message to Ms. Trunchbull. And like, the the chalk is floating and it looks so good. I bet all these kids are wigging. Right? Like, and you know how the chalk is done. Mm. It's a magnet. Is it really? There's a really strong magnet in the chalk and there's a guy on the opposite side of the blackboard writing the message backwards. That's great. And she's making the blinds open and close. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, it's getting it's getting spooky. And the ki- the kids, they're such good little readers. Yeah. They're sounding out the words as it spells it. Everybody now. <laughs> okay, kids, let's read. This is Magnus. Give my little bumblebee her house and, and her, her money. money. I have goosebumps everywhere. Matilda is so good. (laughs) 
She's so good. She's a little, little, little psychopath. Yeah. I love it. And so she then makes the blackboard erasers attack Miss Trunchbull. <laughs> Poor Pam. Oh, Pam Ferris. This was real chalk dust. She went to the hospital several times to wash her eyes out. Oh, man. She grabs the closest child <laughs> by the shoulders and launches him out the window. And you know I love what? how Miss Honey's like, oh, no, Miss Trunchbull, please don't throw him. <laughs> and you know what? Another kid saved by Matilda. Another launched kid saved by Matilda. She makes him, like, fly through the air. Yeah. She makes him fly around the schoolyard and then back (laughs) into the room. And when he flies back in the room, he, like, pushes Trunchbull over onto that huge globe. And I love Miss Honey. (laughs) Miss Honey looks at Matilda, and she just makes this little twirling motion with her finger. And Matilda's like, as you wish. Maestro. (laughs) Starts making her spin. It starts spinning so fast that she flings off of it. Stumbles out of the classroom, all woozy. All the kids are looking out into the hallway like, it's the trunch. Miss Honey's entire class starts throwing their lunch at her. Matilda mind powers all their lunches off the shelf and is like, go ahead, throw food at her. And so the entire school begins to partake in throwing garbagey food at Trunchbull. Like, I love it. Like, they're walking down the hall. Like, she's trying to get out of the building. And Bruce takes a big piece of chocolate cake and smears it across her face. he goes, yeah! Take that, bitch! (laughs) And so, this is where you see her run past the big picture of her with the... That's right. Shot put javelin hammer throw on it. The school's motto. (laughs) They chase her into her car. It's a great moment. Oh, it is. Everybody's jumping and cheering and the trunchbull was gone never to be seen or heard from never to darken a doorway again we get a little bit of a time jump miss honey has moved back into her house and she's done a marvelous job with the place Mm -hmm. like it's got a new coat of paint and there's lots of flowers and she and matilda are sitting on the porch having tea and cookies and you know it feels like the movie should be over but we've got one more thing to deal with Mm -hmm. harry and zinnia pull up in the car they just like this is the one time she knew where they knew where she was i know (laughs) and so like they walk up and they're like come on come on we gotta go we're moving to guam hold on a second let me let me break this down really fast please Like, Harry and Zinnia are now running from the FBI guys. You can hear the sirens. (laughs) Yes. You can hear the sirens in the background. They've obviously got enough for an arrest. He's like, we've got to beat the speedboat salesman to the airport. So I think what Harry had in mind is that they were going to flee the country. Yeah. But here's... Here's, They're going to Guam. Which is under U.S. jurisdiction. <laughs> it's a U.S. territory. Like, So, like, nice try, Harry. And here's the thing. You know what? Matilda could have corrected him. Matilda was ready. She has been thinking about this moment for as long as she could. And she goes, adopt me, Miss Honey. You can adopt me. I have the adoption papers with me. <laughs> she gets them out of her book. And she goes, he, and Zinnia goes, where the fuck did you get those? And she goes, from the library. I've had them since I was old enough to Xerox. Ever since she was tall enough to reach the machine, she's been thinking about this. What do you think, Pumpkin? You're the only daughter I ever had, Matilda. And I never understood you, not one little bit. Who's got 
had a pen. They sign the adoption papers. <laughs> I love that he's using Matilda's back as a desk. <laughs> and he goes, now you're not going to be calling us for support payments. And I'm like, you absolute fuck. You're giving up your daughter right now. No, this is a happy moment. <laughs> this is a happy moment. She's getting away from these horrible people. And she's, he's like, you're not going to be calling us for support payments or anything. And Honey just goes, no, I just got all my Trunchbull money. Like, <laughs> we good. We'll be good. They get in the car. They drive away. And life is just better after that. Honey, the way she's got Matilda in her arms, like, oh my God. We're seeing Miss Honey and Matilda do all these fun things together. Yeah, having chocolates together, dancing around, rollerblading, all of that song. All my way. Boom, 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 boom. All my way. Boom, 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 boom. All my way. <laughs> and what Danny DeVito tells us is that, you know, in the end. But the happiest part of the story that Matilda and Miss Honey each got what they had always wanted. A loving family. Oh, I could die. And I'm like, uh, you know what? I do honestly think of the story as more about the both of them. Oh, absolutely. Who else would it be about? I mean, they are both two tortured, intelligent souls that find each other. Who were abused by the same adult. Yeah. Yeah, like that's crazy. Mm. Miss, I feel like Miss Honey gives Matilda confidence in adults. And I think that I think Matilda is able to give Miss Honey her faith in herself back. Yeah. You know what I mean? If this little kid can do these things, why can't I step up? And like in a way, they rescued each other. I know. You're going to make me cry. Like like she rescued she Matilda rescued Honey from Trunchbull and Honey rescued Matilda from the Wormwoods. And now they're their own little family. Yeah. Now they have each other. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. (sighs) I just love this movie. It's so... It's empowering. It is. The thing about Matilda is that I think she's just such an inspirational character. And she. I feel like there's two separate superpowers that she has. Of course, the psychokinetic abilities. <laughs> yeah. And then just her brain. Yeah. Like, she, com- those two powers combined make her who she is. And there are several points within the film where she doesn't even have to use her powers to make great things happen. This movie really showcases the power that children hold. Yeah. And how children are not the little dumb fucks everyone think that everyone thinks they are. I love that Roald Dahl wrote this story about this little girl who was able to take power back from the abusive adults in her life. Exactly. Like it's just it's a it's a theme throughout Dahl's work that everyday adults, regular looking everyday adults can be the abusers in our lives. Mm-hmm. And at other adults who are conspicuously absent from this movie both spiritually and figuratively, mm-hmm. we need to be vigilant of those everyday looking adults and and speak up. When something is wrong. Exactly. And the way he put her in that position of power to literally make every adult in her life look like a fool. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just such, I love it it's so much. very satisfying. It's cathartic. Exactly. Like, exactly. Every negative feeling you had as a kid about your parents, regardless of whether or not it was justified. I'm really glad that it also enforces that, you know, there are people that will love you 
for exactly who you are. Exactly. I just I just love how impactful this movie can be on people. It's definitely always been impactful on me. It's a truly great selection. It's great for I think it's great to watch as a family. I think it's great to watch alone. I think it's a great movie to show friends, but I feel like there's just a lot of people alive today. You know Matilda. See, now we have to cover Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Oh, stop it. The third Mara Wilson flick in my life. <laughs> Those are the three movies. Mrs. Doubtfire, Matilda, and Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Isn't she like a teenager in that? She is. Yes. She is. And you know, she is a very interesting adult. Yes, she is. Like I said, go follow her on Twitter. I love the person Mara Wilson has turned out to be. Mara, call us. We love you. We would love to have you on the show. Let's talk about (laughs) Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Guys, thanks for joining us for that. I had a lot of fun. I know it was really long and you're going to hate editing this, but (laughs) I love you so much. We did talk a lot. (laughs) Guys, we talked for two hours and some change. (laughs) The movie's only an hour and 38 minutes long. We're at 2.20. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Carrie. I just, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this movie and I'm glad you, I, hopefully you stuck around for the whole thing. If you did, thank you. If not, still thank you. (laughs) At least you listen to some of it. We love you guys, and we love covering the movies that we know are dotted throughout your childhood. So we've got one more to go in November, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. One more before we get to the Christmas movies. You know what? I think we should do an animated movie. Uh Uh-oh. We haven't done an animated movie in quite some time. Lay it on me. All right. I think next week... I'm going to blow some dust off of your brain with this one. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Next week, we are going to cover the 1998 musical animated film, Cats Don't Dance. Yes! (laughs) Yes! You are yelling. First of all, another musical. (laughs) I know. Second of all, Cats Don't Dance! I love Cats Don't Dance! This is is also a film I've had since I was born. I feel like not a lot of people are aware of it. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we don't, uh, you know what? Some of you have never been fans of Scott Bakula and it shows. (laughs) (laughs) Scott Bakula is going to be with us next week. He will, he will. Not here, but in the film. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about Quantum Leap. Such a good choice. Oh, right. And we'll keep talking about Quantum Leap to a minimum, huh? (laughs) What's the matter? You're not here for the references you can't understand? I'm not a fan of Quantum Leap. (laughs) This is a bit silly. <laughs> but anyway. All right, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. Don't forget, y'all, to check out The Equalizers by my buddy Mike and his co-host Madison. I'm going to drop the link to the episode that I guessed that I guessed on in the show notes. That means, Mike, you got to give us a shout out now. <laughs> He does all the time. Do you hear that? We have to get one now. I'm kidding. <laughs> like you can hear my entire insane sequel idea to Matilda. And there's lots of other great things on that episode. So check it out. And don't forget, practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Wah. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to be able to join this watch party. Also, just keep saying President Biden. President Biden. It sounds great. President Biden. Also, protect the candidates. 
Protect everyone who was elected this cycle. They're all targets, regardless of the side that they're on, and killing somebody is never worth it. This has been a PSA from Kicking and Streaming. <laughs> More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom.